This is an audio-only version of a PEDRA publication presentation. To view the video version of this presentation, please visit www.pedraresearch.org and select Education and Events on the main menu. Welcome to a PEDRA publication presentation. This presentation is an overview of a peer-reviewed collaborative study and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Any decisions related to medical care should be made in consultation with a qualified healthcare provider. In this webinar, Dr. Jennifer Shook from the University of Florida will discuss the skin microbiome sampling in preterm neonates. Hi everyone, this is Jen Shook. I am an associate professor uh, and a pediatric dermatologist at the University of Florida. And today I'm excited to share with you a little bit of the background on our paper, Skin Microbiome Sampling in the Preterm Neonate. I have been very fortunate to be supported and funded by the Society for Pediatric Dermatology, as well as the Pediatric Dermatology Research Alliance. Um, both Peter and SPD have been very fundamental in allowing me to launch a research career. So I'm very grateful for that. And we're going to be discussing our paper today that was published in Pediatric Dermatology in September of 2022, which is entitled Skin Microbiome Sampling in the Preterm Neonate. And this is a collaborative effort between myself, our Department of Neonatology, as well as um, the lab of Dr. Jobin here at the University of Florida. So first of all, a little background, what is the microbiome? The microbiome is all of the organisms on a subject. So that means all of the genetic material of the stuff that's on us. That includes mostly bacteria is what we're focusing on when, when people just are talking about the microbiome, but it also includes viruses, fungi as well. Um, and so again, for the purposes of this talk, because we're just really at the beginning of understanding the infant skin microbiome, we're gonna focus on the bacteria. This project is, we'll call it an interim update of an ongoing, much larger study that was funded by PEDRA called Unraveling Determinants of the Early Cutaneous Microbiome. In this study, we have over 100 preterm infants. We actually have about 141 that have been enrolled. And we're looking specifically at the longitudinal development of the skin microbiome from birth to four weeks. So the idea is to understand how does the skin microbiome get there and how does it establish, set itself up over the first month. Um, for this study specifically, we focused on preterm infants because they are a population where it's easy to gather weekly samples because they're in the hospital. And of course, there's a lot of concerns with generalizability about that, but also there's a lot of reasons to really understand the skin microbiome in preterm infants because they're such a vulnerable population. And for this specific project, we had a part of our study that was interrupted due to COVID-19. And so instead of getting that longitudinal collection of the samples that we wanted to see, we only had one or two samples because research was actually stopped for actually a very brief time, just a few weeks at our institution. So this was a great opportunity for us to pull out those samples and check our work and make sure that we were getting 
good results from our skin microbiome swabs. Because one of the big concerns in starting on this work and looking at the skin microbiome of preterm infants specifically, is there was some concern about will our sampling methods really get some of get the material off of the skin? Um, or will it are we not really extracting, collecting anything off of the skin? So this was actually a really good opportunity to, to pause as we were collecting um, for this very large cohort to check and make sure that in fact, our methods were collecting what we thought we were collecting. And we had tested our methods previously on adults. Um, however, there, there's really not a lot of understanding of the quantity of um, material in the skin microbiome of preterm infants. So for the study, I mentioned that we have longitudinal sampling of the skin microbiome samples, and we have a total of four samples that are collected at birth and then approximately weekly. And the birth sample, by the time the patient's enrolled, especially with preterm infants, it ends up being a little bit after birth, but four approximately weekly samples. And at each time point, we actually had three samples collected. So one is from the volar forearm. These are called our skin swabs. That site was specifically selected because in preterm infants, there's actually a problem of real estate. There's not a lot of skin that is accessible, consistently accessible from infant to infant and doesn't have a line or tape on it. Um, so the, the forearm is actually, number one, a site that's standardized um, across other studies of the skin microbiome, particularly in adults and older children. And number two is consistently accessible in preterm infants. We also collected an, an environmental swab from the inside of the infant's isolate or crib. We call those crib swabs. And then we had a control swab that's open to air during the sample collection, but left on the sterile tray. So the idea there is that it, the swab was open to the air as long as the skin swabs would have been or the crib swabs would have been. But um, so there might be a little bit of material that's falling from the environment, genetic, genetic material falling on that swab, but it is our control swab to make sure that we actually are collecting something different in the other types of swabs. And our microbiome sampling method we used polystyrene flocked swabs. They look basically like a Q-tip um, and they're moistened with two drops of sterile saline. And then we would roll that swab in alternating directions within approximately a two by two centimeter square of skin on the volar forearm going in alternating parallel, perpendicular and diagonal directions for 20 seconds. Sometimes in the preterm infants, the actual square of skin was less than um, two by two centimeters just due to very small arms, but we approximated the volar forearm as, as best we could. And then we inserted the swab into an Eppendorf tube and broke off the end of the swab at a perforated break point with the tube lid. The idea here is we didn't wanna touch the swab or cut the swab um, at, at all and, and the portion that was going to be going into the tube because then we would risk accidentally contaminating the swab even though we have um, sterile equipment on any manipulation of the area that was going into the tube would potentially add contamination. The um, samples were then sent for extraction sequencing and analysis in Dr. Jobin's lab. Uh, these are technologies and um, methods that are constantly evolving. And so in, in this example, we um, extracted the 
uh, bacterial DNA. The DNA was then quantified and amplified using V1 to V3 primers and then sequenced on the MySeq platform. And then principal coordinate analysis, which I'm going to show you in just a minute, was generated. Um, and the principal the principal coordinate analysis, the idea there is to look to see how the different types of swabs cluster. So I'll show you that in just a minute. We ended up with 27 samples. We had 10 skin microbiome samples from six infants, nine crib swabs and eight control swabs. And I talked about how we were going to collect samples at each of the time points and there's always three samples. But sometimes what happens is that if there was basically nothing extracted from the swab, then the sample was thrown out. So that was the case in a few of our samples here and why we only had eight control swabs because um, nothing was extracted. And the samples of the same type, the skin, crib, and air. So you can see here our air or control swabs are this sort of pink orange salmony color. Our crib swabs are the green color and the skin swabs are the blue color. And then we had for each patient, each collection point, either a week one or a week two sample. That's the circles and the triangles. And so on principal coordinate analysis, you can see that the samples of the same type are more similar to each other than when compared by week, so week one versus week two, or by patient, because we did have um, quite a few patients that had a week one and week two sample. So you can see here how the green kind of clusters together, the red-orange clusters together, and the blue clusters together. And there is, there is some overlap. It's not a perfect science. This is just a sort of uh, bird's eye view generalization of are things looking like they make sense. And this, um, and this paper was basically to say that, yes, this is how we did our skin microbiome sampling. And based on the data we have, it does look like it works, like we got something different in the skin than from the controls. Also, we're not going to talk about this too much because we really only have a very small sample size here, but 306 genera were identified by our 16S sequencing. And so you can see that here um, across our patients. And again, we, we did not have a lot of patients and some of them have week one and week two data, uh, but it's, so it's just a very tiny glimpse of the, the bigger data set. The most abundant bacteria was Staphylococcus by far. That's the purple color. And then the next most common is Rylotella, which you'll see here in this, uh, we'll call kind of violet color, um, which is very abundant in particularly in patient 73. So that's probably skewing the relative abundance somewhat. So we need to keep that in mind. Klebsiella was then the third most common, which is a bit frightening um, because Klebsiella is not something in general we like to see in, in preterm infants, but it actually, was present in quite a few samples. So in patient 71, in patient 72, patient 73, and patient 75. So I think this is this is possibly, it was going to be really interesting to go back and look at these patients and see um, mode of delivery specifically, how were these babies born and consider, you know, to start thinking about where that Klebsiella is coming from. But I don't think it's on its own necessarily a bad thing. Also similar with serratia, which is a little surprising for the skin microbiome, you can see that in this kind of uh, muted aqua color. And that, however, unlike Klebsiella, was really just seen in patient 75. Um, so 
this this is probably not something that's a common component of neonatal skin microbiome, but we'll see when we have more data. And then lastly, I was a bit surprised that there wasn't more streptococcus because that's the uh, pretty common um, skin microbiome um, component. And we see some streptococcus, particularly in patient 72. But again, it's gonna be really interesting to see the longitudinal data to see how this changes and then to also get a better sense for, um, for the patient differences. So in terms of gestational age, in terms of mode of delivery. So this is a very big data set for us to sort through. Um, and it's gonna, take, it's gonna take a while to get through all that data. So in conclusion, the study supports the demonstrated methods for skin sampling, despite the presumed low micro microbial biomass for preterm infants because we saw the different clustering. It's by no means, however, definite. The generalizability is limited because we have a small sample size, but it's <clears throat> certainly enough to feel like we are on the right track going forward and that um, we proceeded with continuing to collect the samples for the rest of our cohort. The impact for patients, this is really the tip of the iceberg. This, the whole idea of studying the skin microbiome for me is that the skin microbiome interfaces with the immune system. And so as the skin microbiome is first being set up in the first few weeks of life, it's interacting with the immune system. The immune system is um, learning from the skin microbiome and um, and they're, they're, it goes both ways, right? The skin microbiome is learning from the immune system and the immune system is, is adjusting the skin microbiome, I, I think. Um, so this early interaction is probably a really important piece of preventing the future immune-based skin diseases. And so even though this this work on its own might seem like a bit of a like, so what does it matter what's there on the infant skin? I think that as we understand what's on infant skin and what's not supposed to be on infant skin and how it interfaces with the immune system, this will help us to better understand the later development of immune-based skin disease. And we have a lot of work to do. We have um, more results that will come out when we finish with the, the cohort. So we now have <clears throat> finished collecting samples. We've um, we've sent off the first batch for extraction and sequencing. We've received that data and set, up, set off the second batch. And so when we receive that back, we will go through and analyze clinical and demographic factors. Specifically, we're interested in differences in race and ethnicity, gestational age, antibiotic exposure, for example. And then we've had some spinoff projects, which is is exactly what you want to do when you're building a research program. So the first is we were we were able to recruit additional patients, and also we are following up the patients up to one year to see if they develop eczema. So we can look back on the skin microbiome and see um, if there's differences in the patients who developed eczema with their very early skin microbiome and the ones who did not develop eczema. And then um, uh, have a K23 study that's hopefully just going to be launching very, very soon here, looking at the skin microbiome in preterm infants um, in relation to sepsis, because specifically neonatal sepsis is a major um, cause of morbidity and mortality for infants in the NICU. And the skin microbiome likely is a, uh, a big player in this, if if nothing else, a modulator of sepsis, sepsis. And so we really want to understand that a little better. Actually, I would say a lot better. So with that, um, I thank 
Pedra for all of their support. And um, I hope you enjoy learning a little bit more about our research. Thank you to Dr. Jennifer Shook for sharing that presentation. You can find more publication presentations on our website at www.pedraresearch.org by selecting education and events on the main menu. Be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Pedra Research. And make sure that you subscribe and leave us a comment on our Pedra Pearls podcast channel available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google and Spotify. Thanks for listening.